0: I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing, so get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers, thank you for joining us on the Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice so they can create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what I'm interested more in is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Jess Couture. She is an award-winning brand strategist that has helped thousands of entrepreneurs and startups expand their reach and revenue online. She's currently the head of partnerships at Teachable in New York City. She's also the host of their annual virtual summits with over 60,000 plus registrants. And over the years, she's interviewed the likes of Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk, Mary uh for Leo, Jay Shetty, my favorite, <laughs> Lisa Nichols, and more. And as a creative video producer, Jess has developed a unique method using video to outreach and to increase brand awareness. She's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Inc., The Huffington Post, and many, many more platforms. So please welcome to the show, Jess Couture.
1: Thank you for having me. Wow, what an intro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. I'm excited to have this conversation.
1: I am excited too. I've been listening to your your previous episodes and just, I think you're just such an amazing communicator. You ask amazing questions. Um, so it's an honor to, to be on the show.
0: Thank you. And I'm truly humbled by that, seeing how you have interviewed some of my favorite people on the planet. So I am honored by that compliment. I will take it. Thank you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> So I love to start the show with icebreaker questions. And I believe like, you know, as, as kids, we have, you know, vivid imaginations of who we want to be before society tries to reprogram us and try to tell us that we need to be realistic and box us into all these confined spaces. So I would love to know before we discuss how you got to where you are presently, what did you want to be when you were a little girl?
1: Honestly, I, I think this is going to be a trend with a lot of people who are entrepreneurs now, but I definitely wanted to be an inventor. Um, it was well, it was between inventor and uh, performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up, my mom was a professional ballet dancer. She was a national fitness champion. And so I thought on one side, I could be a dancer. And then my father was a graphics and web designer. And so I thought, wow, it'd be cool to <laughs> invent some type of thing. Uh, and so I feel like I, my parents had very... Unconventional careers for the most part at the, t- at the time. So um, there was something there, like inventor, performer, melding them together uh, was definitely kind of on my list. I love
0: it, love it. So definitely in the creative space, anyways. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> okay. So tell us how you got to where you are presently. Like take
1: us along that journey. So it's a pretty loaded story. And so I'm going to give you like the the snapshot overview. So we're not here for 10, 10 hours. <laughs> but um, building off on... So like I said, my mom was a professional ballet dancer and then was a teacher. And she was my teacher growing up. And all through school, I was training and dancing. I was going to competitions. And I was around 12 years old when I started playing on this virtual pet website called Neopets. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of the listeners uh, remember that. I remember but it. <laughs> It was, it was great because it was just basically a virtual pet website. You could feed your pet. You could play games. But one of the elements of that site was that you could build your pet its own page. And I didn't realize it at the time. I thought it was just a game and you learn these little codes that you add in and you can change the colors. But really what you were doing was you were learning how to code websites. You were learning HTML and that sparked another interest outside of just dance, which was that I loved creating things. I loved making websites and videos. And um, fast forward to, I was 17 years old and I was selected to perform in the opening and closing ceremonies of the Olympics. I then toured with Princess Cruise Lines uh, for six months. And after all of that, I found myself sitting back home at my parents' house and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I feel like I need to go to school. I feel like I need to do something outside of just dance. And so I decided to get a certificate in digital media. Fast forward a lot of the story because it's very long, but <laughs> I um, I ended up working in different positions where I started to pick up new skills around online business and marketing and design. And when I was 23 years old, I decided that I would launch a business, um, which then kind of grew and was really the the starting point or the pivotal point to allowing me to do what I'm doing now um, because I launched a podcast, had a course, and I then got approached by the CEO of Teachable, who saw one of my video pitches, and I, I feel like I'm kind of jumping around here, but I uh, saw one of my videos, reached out, me, <laughs> <laughs> reached out to me, asked me if I wanted to uh, live in New York for a bit, and um, at the time, Teachable was 15 kids in a WeWork, And I said, yes. And fast forward five years and I've been here and went through just an incredible growth of a startup, Um, going through that experience of being acquired and just being so fortunate and having been able to experience all these different things in ways that I would have never even imagined or planned for.
0: Wow. Like, okay, so... I'm like, where do where do I go from here? I wanna there's a uh, like, lot of un- different yeah, I'm like, where do I I wanna unpack? Okay, so let's start with when teacher will reach out to you. Where were you living before they asked you to move out to New York?
1: I was living in London. So oh. I, I I lived abroad after I, I got my certificate in digital media. I went to Australia and I lived there for two years, then moved to London for two and a half. And I just for the backstory, I created a video pitch to reach out to Pat Flynn, who is a entrepreneur and podcaster. And the pitch was to, one, thank him for all of his work, but also to um, pitch myself to be on his show. And at the time, I had no, like, I mean, no one knows who I am now, but at the time, people like definitely didn't know who I was. And so I was trying to think of a creative way to connect with him. And so I created that video. Um, And so that's how Encore, the CEO of Teachable, saw it and reached out to me. And I will say, if you're, and I don't know if um, you resonate with this or if there's anyone listening that resonates with this, but when they offered me the position to work for Teachable, I was very conflicted. The idea of working for another company and not being a, a solopreneur, not like running things all by yourself, but then having to work under and with other people I was so worried that it meant that I could no longer call myself an entrepreneur or a creator. And Mm -hmm. I was worried at like, how would people perceive me? Would people be disappointed that I was doing this? Was this the right decision? But there was a little part of me after I met the team and I saw them and just like what they were creating that was like, this is where you need to be. This is exactly what you have been missing. And so I, I said yes, and I did it. But it wasn't a, a no-brainer decision. There was a lot of uh, conflicting thoughts and a lot of um, like pros and cons <laughs> that I had to figure out.
0: So, what was that? Uh, like, was there that one thing that made you say, "You know what? This is it. I am doing the right thing. This is what I want to do."
1: There, there was a few. So, I working from home by myself. Um, a lot of people don't really talk about this, but when you're working for yourself. I always thought that I was an introvert, but I'm actually just an awkward extrovert. Like I get energy from working with people and around people. And Mm. one of the things that I was noticing was working from home, I would wake up in the mornings and feel so unmotivated. Even though I loved what I was doing, it just felt like something was draining me and I didn't know what that was. And I honestly, was just very like frustrated with myself and critical towards myself that I need to work harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as I started being around other people and the collaboration of ideas, that feeling stopped. Mm-hmm. And so that I think was like the, the biggest thing where it's like, maybe I need to change how I'm doing things. Even though working by yourself works for a lot of people and a lot of people advertise that on social media, you need to know your kind of power zone. You need to know what environment and what situations actually lift you up. And it might not be the same for everyone, but that was the biggest the biggest thing that I noticed where I'm like, I think this is something we should pay attention to.
0: Right, I think it's very important that you you know you speak to the 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 part about awareness because you being aware of like you said, you once thought you were an introvert and learned that you're you know an awkward extrovert um when we are aware of ourselves, when we have taken the time to study who we are and get to know who we are, then we can have a closer look at what when something is triggering you know what that could be or what is needed, you know, like even when the pandemic first hit. I know a lot of my friends um because I'm I consider myself a severe introvert. I like highly enjoy my alone time. I hide from the outside world as much as possible. <laughs> so I know a lot of my introverted friends um they were thriving during the pandemic because it was that excuse they you know, they didn't have to go out they didn't have to network with people they got to actually focus on the you know being creative and doing the things that they love without feeling like they were being drained like for example i would used to attend networking events and it took me 2 days to recover you know energetically mm-hmm. after that experience and then my friends who were extroverts were suffering severely those are the ones that when i spoke to you know were having i'm going to say the hardest time you know, if you, if I asked how they were doing, they were struggling because they, like you said, you you gain energy from connecting with other people and being around other people. And they were feeling so depleted from that that they were not um, able to work as hard as they normally do or feel as motivated as they normally do. But I think you just speaking to that awareness piece, I think a lot of people, you know, they feel like they don't want to box themselves into these labels, but they actually help you to understand you know, what your needs are, whether we're talking about love languages or personality types or, you know, any of those things. It's just being aware of who you are so that you can find the solutions for what you need for yourself, for what works for you.
1: It's so true. And it actually reminds me of um, Angela Alston. Um, She was actually in our Teachable Summit uh, this round that uh, she's a a counselor, a therapist, and she was saying um, it's really important to create a baseline for yourself so really, starting to think through if you're currently in like a, a good state, or you're having a good day or a good week, starting to think through like what 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 is that? What do mm-hmm. those feeling? What are those feelings? How do you behave? What is the environment around you? And just kind of recognizing like when you are your best, what does that look like? Because you can then start to also be proactive mm-hmm. and start to see like okay. I notice I am my best every single time I am by myself in a room, not talking to anyone, just doing deep work. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a conference that you have to go to, or you have a group meeting or public speaking, you're not getting into those situations. And then your body is reacting to the fear, to the overwhelm, but you're like, okay, I see this is coming up. I can see based on my baseline that this environment may cause me to have a little bit of a wobble and I can plan accordingly. So when it does arrive, I can be like, Ah, there we are. Yes, I was expecting you. Welcome here. Welcome. <laughs> frustration. Yeah. Um, so you take a little bit of that, that control back.
0: Yeah, yeah, and even with the fear piece, um, actually, I just had a client this morning where we worked through this. Where it's, you know, people will look at, oh, well, how do you, how do you, um, you know, overcome fear? How do you get over it? But it's like those of us who have learnt. That the rewards are on the other side of what you feared. It's working through the fear. The fear will always exist. It's your ability to work through the thing and to not allow it to cripple you, or for you to go back to, you know, whatever it was that you were used to before. Because our minds are programmed for safety. So you know, we have something that we're afraid of. Like for example, when you talked about um, doing exam, um, sorry, events and stuff like that. Years ago, when I first started public speaking, I knew that you know, it wasn't something I wanted to get into. Um, so long story short, I would say yes to things to push myself out of my comfort zone, but then I would have these flare ups. Like I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder, fibromyalgia, and then it causes my body to like shut down. And it took friends that are close to me that were around me. that are like, you know, every time you have to do a speaking engagement, do you not realize you have a flare up? Like your body shuts down. It triggers your anxiety. You know, you're in bed for sometimes a week at a time. And when we looked at the patterns of every time I had one of the physical shutdowns, it was right before big events. So I stopped saying yes to really big events. And then now as we are, you know, we're, I guess, still technically here in Canada dealing with lockdown, but having to do virtual events, I found my comfort zone. Through virtual events, because I don't have to be around the energy of other people physically to feel drained from the experience. And I'm able to find better coping mechanisms so that when I'm doing virtual speaking events, I'm in the comfort of my own home. Like my anxiety levels are not as high. So the triggers um, and things that used to shut me down before no longer do that. And I can still do what I love to do and then still at the same time make the impact where I'm able to speak you know, on other events and platforms and conferences.
1: I'm so glad that you're saying that. I I think that, I mean, I know you inspire people all the time, but I think it's incredibly encouraging to hear stories like that when people look at you and everything that you're doing and that you don't have to be a public speaker, even though maybe some of the people you follow or some of the um, people that you know of in your space are doing that. There's always a way and there's always room for you to recreate how you do it for yourself and you can still be successful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So I want to get into, I know that you are big on relationship building. So I'd love to hear like how you've been able to build some of the relationships that you've built, even if it's, if that's what brought, you know, some of the speaking opportunities for you to connect with people like Jay Shetty and Lisa Nichols and stuff like that. Like, I'd love to hear your journey with that.
1: Yeah. So I think with relationship building, it started like the things that I was doing, I didn't start it off with like this strategy. It was more so of like, oh, I wonder how I could reach out to someone um, who probably isn't going to see my email. Or I really appreciate what this person is doing. I don't really even ask right now, but I would love just to kind of acknowledge it. Like there wasn't this like calculated, like this is how I'm going to like build relationships, but it kind of organically grew into... Seeing that this, like certain things that I was doing, were incredibly um, effective as far as just like one getting people's attention, but building a connection with someone that I don't think there's any way, no matter if you were like the most amazing copywriter, you wouldn't be able to do with an email. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, gosh, Lisa Nichols is actually probably a great example of this. I, when I was 23, I started my podcast and I wanted to create a podcast not to build my business, but I just wanted to be able to speak to people that maybe wouldn't have the opportunity to speak with otherwise. Um, You know, if I emailed Lisa Nichols, she probably wouldn't just hop on the phone for 30 minutes (laughs) to just like Mm -hmm. talk to me and answer my questions. So what I realized though is that sometimes people who are bigger have a lot of asks and there's a lot of people always just like wanting something from them. And so for Lisa, I. I mean, I've been following her work for a while and she completely changed my life in so many different ways. And so I just sent her a video. And <laughs> the way that I sent it is she had a conference in Atlanta and it was at this hotel. And I sent flowers to the hotel and I was just like, look, Lisa Nichols has a conference here. These are some flowers for her. If you would be able to see her, could you just them, like give them to her? Because
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I was like, I don't... I'm not, I don't know where she lives. I don't know what her, you know, phone number, like, and I wouldn't do that anyways. That would, I would not suggest you call people without them <laughs> expecting your call. Right. Um, but flowers, I thought was kind of a nice gesture. And if she didn't want to return my, like, like get back to me, there would be no harm. It was just like a nice little gesture. Mm-hmm. So I delivered the flowers to the hotel and I had a card that said, uh, Lisa, thank you so much for everything that you do. I made you the short video and I put the link in the card. And they put the flowers and they delivered it to her. And in this video, I basically just recorded a little voiceover, had some kind of B-roll video that I had um, recorded. And I just thanked her for the work that she did. But I also shared specifically what it was about her work or specific messages that she shared that impacted my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then at the end, I said, look, the reason why I wanted to preach out is I would love to be able to interview, interview you on my podcast. Either way, though. Just know, like, I can't say how grateful I am for everything that you've done. Uh, No need to respond either way. I wish you all the best. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that was the video that really started to change the trajectory of so many things that happened in my life because Lisa not only said yes to the video, but it ended up touching her in a way that I hadn't even imagined. Um she said she's like, I saw this video and you look like one of my nieces. I'm like, I can't say no to this girl. <laughs> but she was just so she went like above and beyond. And from there, she ended up being one of the references for my 01 visa to get into the States. We've built this wow. relationship. She invited me to her birthday. And like it's just it's blossomed into something that I couldn't have anticipated simply because I went a little bit out of my comfort zone. I acknowledged the work that she was doing. Mm-hmm. And I mean to Lisa's credit, she's also just an incredibly wonderful human being who like appreciated that and got back to me. But I've used videos for so many different types of outreach. But I think it doesn't have to be video. I think just acknowledging the work that people do can go a a very long way.
0: Right. Honestly, like even when you just shared that story with Lisa Nichols, like my my heart was like tingling inside because I'm a huge fan of Lisa. And I remember back in I'm gonna say around 2013, 2014 when i just got into like coaching and speaking i remember doing some digging and i was looking for black women that were in the thought leader space Mm-hmm. And back in 2009, uh, a friend of mine had forced me to watch the documentary, The Secret. And it was like, at the time that I watched it, my mind wasn't fully absorbing it. I was going through a divorce. I was just getting you know, into entrepreneurship. My headspace wasn't fully there and ready for that information. So when I started doing my research um, after my first book came out, and I was like, is Lisa Nichols the only Black woman in this space right now? And she was the motivation for... A lot of the things that I was doing. Like, I studied how she spoke on stage. I studied how she shared her story. I signed up for her newsletter. I tried to volunteer to serve at one of her events. And then a few years ago, I think it was 2018 or 19, I can't remember, I was going through a breakup. Like, in the next week, I was scheduled to be at the Archangel Summit here in Toronto. And Lisa Nichols was one of the main speakers. And I got there and I was like, I just finished wiping my tears in the car. And I get inside. And I wanted to sit at the back of the room. I just, I had to, I wanted to be at the event to open up my, my, I'm going to say my, my headspace that I was in, but I wasn't interested in interacting with anyone. And I go to sit at the back of the room and I turned over to my left and Lisa Nichols was sitting there with her team, like at the back row (laughs) of the event. And because I was already in shambles from what I was dealing with, I was like, okay, well, you're just going to sit here and stare at her. Like, so I said, I don't want to interrupt. She's probably just trying to like, you know, prep and get her energy before the event starts. And slowly people started to approach her when they realized that she was sitting at the back of the room. I think there was maybe like three people from her team. And then a couple people started to like slowly go over to her. And I was like, I don't want to ever be that girl. And I said, I don't want to ask for a picture. I don't want to get on her nerves. I just want to tell her that I love her. And I waited till everyone else you know, walked away and they were about to dim the lights for the event to start. And I just walked over quickly and I said to her, honestly, I love everything that you're doing. You have completely changed my life. I've been following you for so long and I just want to say thank you. And she held my hand and she looked me in the eyes and she's like, your eyes are so beautiful. And I was like, oh, she spoke Aww. to me. <laughs> that was my, my, my moment. Um, like I think of, Every time I, you know, have to do speaking engagements and things like that and I look at her story of how she's transformed her life, um, not just in the physical sense, even how she's changed physically, but I'm just like, she's impacted so many lives. I don't even know if she realizes. I,
1: It's, it's mind-blowing. And, and I think though, like that story is an example of like for anyone, but just like how it's not the big things that you do because like- when you when you think of Lisa Nichols or anyone, it's not just like the video or like the course of the program you took or whatever. It's that one small moment where they acknowledged you as a human being, where they mm-hmm. looked you in the eyes and were like, "I see you." Mm-hmm. like and we don't have to be huge influencers to to do that, but like you just you just you just never know how impactful that can be. And for her, she probably didn't even realize, you know, looking you in the eyes and like holding mm-hmm. your hand and just speaking truth would resonate and like, would be something that you would remember.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, okay. So you've used um, unconventional ways to, you know, reach out to people and, and connect with people. I would love to know, sometimes people think about not wanting to approach people that are on the level of, you know, Lisa Nichols and Jay Shetty and stuff like that. What do you think are some barriers that are keeping people or holding them back from,
1: from doing that? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, so I think there's a few, and I also am gonna like add like a micro step in between that, which I think is both great and also can help ease those nerves. But I think what holds people back is they're approaching it like an ask. Like they're mm-hmm. approaching it as if I need this grand person to do me a favor. Mm-hmm. And when you Go in with that type of energy, whether it's an ask or it's a date or it's a friendship or it's a boss, that energy is received in a way that doesn't feel like this is an opportunity. This feels like a, I'm either gonna feel bad to say no, or if I say yes, I don't really know like what this is going to be, or you know, Mm -hmm. I think that it's so important that you go in when you're going in for a pitch or an ask that you think one, I don't need a yes. I really don't. And my intention is to either say, like you said to Lisa, or to create a video of gratitude, of appreciation, of acknowledging what someone has done. And I think it's even like more helpful, especially when you do a video, to not just say, like you're amazing, you're great, but really take the time to think through very specifically, what did they do? Was there a specific episode? of, you know, I'm sure you're gonna get a lot of pitches from people that listen to this, but you know, was there a specific mm-hmm. episode in your, in your podcast. Was it a certain thing that you said in an interview and what did that thing lead to? What was the, the pivotal moment when that happened for you? And I think when you share that with someone, it all of a sudden opens up their, they, they can really see that the impact that they've had, not mm-hmm. just you've been amazing, but Holy crap! This was a very specific thing that this person was able to do because of me. Right. Um, so I think that that's important to go in with that mindset. The other thing, though, is you don't need to always reach out to the biggest fish. Um, I was listening to a Clubhouse interview or a Clubhouse talk um, a while ago, and it was actually Scooter Braun um, was in the room, and someone, everyone was asking him, like, "Hey, like, how do I basically become the next Beaver, Ariana?" And, you know, how do I connect with you and all these different questions? And regardless of what your opinion is of Scooter Braun, um, he said something that I thought was very powerful, which was that when he started, he's like, everyone is thinking of reaching up. How do I connect with someone above me? How do I connect with someone bigger than me that I can really uh, get something from? And he was saying that when he was starting, all of his connections, all of his networking was done horizontally. He was mm-hmm. looking at people in his space in different industries that were kind of at the same level, ambition, drive, and vision. One of those people ended up being the founders of Spotify. And he's like, you don't just build your network by punching up. He's like, look at the people that are already around you and see how you can make those genuine relationships and connections there and grow together. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was such a great, um, a great piece of advice, and it's something that everyone can do you know even as you said his name i was like that name
0: sounds so familiar he was on jay shetty's podcast recently oh really? and i listened to that episode and he i guess he had this i'm gonna say a spiritual experience where he he went away to a spiritual re- retreat and there was like no phones no connection with your family no nothing and it's totally i guess shifted how he functions going forward, where people are like, you know, what, what is what is wrong with you? Are you okay? <laughs> but it's almost like he had this spiritual awakening. And there were so many points within even just that episode that stuck out to me. So he said in the episode, um, because, you know, people are always looking out to, like you said, they want to reach like the highest person or they want, you know, they're doing things for ego and recognition. Mm-hmm. And he said, we're made to serve, not to be worshipped. Because people are always looking for recognition and they want people to, to know their name. And th- that line in particular stuck out to me. And I don't want to go like a whole side tangent on him. But, <laughs> but what you were saying about even when you're reaching out to people, it's not, it shouldn't be about what they can do for you or what you can get from them. One thing that's always worked for me is reaching out to people and just being of value to them, seeing how I can help make their dreams a possibility or how I can contribute through my area of genius, to make them get closer to whatever their goal is. Um, So when he he said that about, you know, we were uh, made to serve and not to to be worshipped, that really stuck out to me. I love that. I, I'm definitely be listening to that episode.
1: Uh, I didn't know he did interviews other than music related stuff. So that's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, you know, Jay Shetty has been getting people to come out of their, their box with a lot of things and I'm a kind of, I have a huge crush on Jay. Don't tell his wife. <laughs> 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 okay. So I would love to know, I know for a lot of people, the pandemic changed how they serve and how they do things within their business or their, their industry. So, I would love if you can share you know how has things been for you since the pandemic? Has it changed how you served or how has it affected how you serve
1: so yes, it has definitely changed how I serve, but it also has changed how i work it was actually it's it's great I've never actually talked about this publicly um well well let's we'll do it now um, <laughs> so kind of like going back when I said that i was work when I was working from home um the the thing that I kind of was struggling with was motivation and working around other people really changed that. And that was great. But I started to notice that there was just, especially just kind of being by myself and working remote and being older too, I started to notice there's just like a lot of struggle. There's a lot of challenges in my work in just doing certain things. And I was talking with uh, one of my family friends who works in medical and she basically said, she's like, oh, she's like, have you been tested for ADD? And I was like, no, I'm I'm not hyperactive. I I don't. She's like no, like this symptoms and the things that you're sharing that you're struggling with, are actually common symptoms of ADD. She's like, I'm not a doctor. You should go get um you know assessed. But it's a very common thing to be uh, misdiagnosed or undiagnosed, especially with women because the mm-hmm. symptoms show up differently. Right. And I kind of was like, I don't know, and so I started googling it, and I went to a doctor, and I got like. Professionally um, assessed by a psychologist, and it turns out that I do, in fact, have it. And it was one of those moments where I, like, honestly, I was just like bawling when I realized that because I'd gone through my entire life dealing with certain things that I assumed either everyone dealt with. Um, You know, things were always hard for people. They always kind of had to like drum up this motivation and they were always kind of doing things at the last minute and struggling with procrastination. And like, all of these, I mean, that's only part of it um mm-hmm. and to finally realize that there actually was a reason for that and there are things that you can do to uh, work on that and to address that was just like mm-hmm. this moment of I'm not stupid there's a reason mm-hmm. why this is happening and that is honestly the biggest thing that happened during this pandemic was this realization of like if anyone is listening and you are struggling with anything to not just resort to This self blame, Mm -hmm. this like negative self talk, the negative self talk, the comparing yourself. Because also, the thing is, you might experience one symptom that everyone has, but when it's six or seven, and it doesn't have to be ADD, it could be anything. Um, it's always helpful to speak to a professional just to see what's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. your life will get so much easier when you have the tools, when you have, uh, you know going back to we we're saying about being an introvert and kind of knowing what your plan will be if you have to go to a conference when you have ADD or you have any type of you know thing that you're dealing with knowing what the landscape is and having a map so you can be proactive and anticipate certain things that are really going to be a struggle for you or you're going to just are going to be a challenge it is going to change so so much so um yeah honestly that was the the biggest thing for me and Thank you for sharing that. that. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate that. And I know there'll be so many women that will definitely find comfort in even hearing that. Like there's a, another content creator, her name is, I think Isis Brianna and she openly talks about having um, ADD and she's like amazing at what she does, like creating courses and stuff. Like I obsess over all of her stuff on Instagram and I use her as an example to show to my daughter, actually, because one of my daughters um, was diagnosed with ADD when she was like, I don't know, fifth or sixth grade. But you, how do I say this? You know, people may label you or misunderstand but you guys are actually like genius <laughs> when you guys are able to like anything that you're really interested in, you hyper focus on and you excel at. Yes. Like I look at my daughter's qualities on, you know, she may not be the greatest in doing schoolwork, but if it's something that she's interested in watching her like excel at that and like kill it because of her hyper focus on that, like there's just no stopping you guys. So thank you for sharing that. I think sometimes people feel like because they can't focus on one particular thing or they feel scattered or they feel like, you know, they don't know why they're, you know, not motivated to do something. Like you said, the procrastination, things like that. But once you know what you're dealing with, there are so many things in place to help you so that you can
1: thrive and be like beyond your best, best self. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and it's more common than I think a lot of people realize. Um, but I just, yeah, it was just like not knowing, you know, like going mm-hmm. your entire adult life and then being like, oh, there's actually like, I could have, I could have addressed this like your daughter in grade five. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? <laughs> but um, it's either way. And I think like for whether it's, you know, whatever it is that people are dealing with, the challenges or the the struggles that you have, even though, you don't feel like you've come out to the other side. What you are doing is you are building these incredible muscles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for me specifically, it's like I've built this endurance of like, it feels like you're climbing up a mountain because I want to get certain things done. It's just like very, very difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. And not to overlook the like in-between mess, you know, that that you're in right now. Cause you're like, when you're at the gym and you can hardly do, you know, 10 squats, it's not like it's it hurts, but it's not like it's not doing anything. You're building those muscles; they don't go right. away. Right. Um, so it gets yeah. better. It gets better. <laughs> it, it, it
0: get it does get better. And like for for me, as I guess having to learn that through my daughter's experience, and me being able to study up on it and see. I'm going to guess like how to best support someone with ADD. It's helped me even with my mindset coaching clients. Cause I have one, a client right now who was diagnosed with ADD recently as well and learning. Like, I think for me, what it taught me if anything is that everyone learns differently right? So one person may be able to sit in front of their laptop and, you know, thrive, and not everybody can do that. You know, there's some people that need visual stimulation, there's people that need hands-on stuff, there's people that if you can just find a way for them to enjoy the activity or whatever it is, then they'll learn. Like, if it's boring, like your brain completely shuts down. And it's like, yeah, no, thanks. Like, so I get it. I get it. <laughs> so before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online.
1: Oh, I would say the best place is Instagram. I'm at Jess Couture. Um, I don't really use Twitter that much or Facebook or, oh, YouTube too. Uh, just Jess Couture. Yeah, no, I, this has just been amazing and I appreciate being on here.
0: Awesome. Thank you. I will definitely have the direct links for them to connect with you in the detailed section so they don't have to search too far. And for the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. It's kind of like a rapid fire. And you can choose to answer one word, one sentence. Sometimes I break my own rules because I want you to unpack. But (laughs) (laughs) all right. Are you ready? Ready, ready. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why?
1: You are enough because I think we often, and I'm sure everyone says this, but you are enough. And I think that we doubt our potential. We doubt our value and we use external factors, external experiences and opinions of other people to determine our own worth. So Mm. you always have, you always will be enough no matter what happens in your life. Love it. Love it. When and where are you the happiest? Oh, I would say... This is a weird one. I'm either movie theater by myself or like visiting uh, like a museum or like a, a show by myself. I don't know why, but experiencing like theater or culture um, and just being by myself and like my thoughts and experience is just like really nice. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm an introvert in those cases. <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe, maybe you're an ambivert. Maybe, maybe. As I'm saying well. this, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Oh, you can heal your life by Louise Hay. Okay. What new belief behavior or habit
1: has improved your life in the last five years? Uh, New behavior, I would say, and this isn't really one word. Of course, Jess is going to go on a ramble, but uh, (laughs) the behavior is the switching being direct and clear and communicating your needs is not a sign of aggression. It is not a sign of being overly assertive. It's a sign of respecting the other person. That pivot in mindset of I'm being respectful by sh- speaking clearly, by saying what is on my mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's been a, a huge one for me. Love it.
0: Okay. Name one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made. And that could be of time, money, energy. I would say.
1: Oof, gosh, I, one of the most worthwhile, there's like a few, I would say for like, personally, it was like a, a program, like a live cohort program that I did, um, with on deck. But personally, I think it was a ticket that I booked to Paris, which is where I was born. Um, to go to a uh, wedding mm-hmm. um, and to see my family because I you know lost family members and stuff and looking back that was uh, I'm so glad that I did it wow awesome
0: okay what have you become better at saying no to in the last five years and that could be distractions
1: invitations people hmm <laughs> I've gotten better at saying no to my anxious thoughts Thoughts. Mm. I uh, I tend to have a very wild imagination on like the worst case scenario, um, and I've gotten very good to recognize when I'm being a little bit overly dramatic in my head, and being able to be like, "Stop, we're good. This mm-hmm. is a little bit too much." Um, but honestly, it's um, <laughs> it's made a big
0: difference. <laughs> I love that you share that because I can completely relate. I was actually the same client that I was talking to this morning. I was just explaining to her because I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder back in 2006, but I was explaining to her how I've been able to work through my anxious thoughts because, you know, I'll think of like sometimes the most impossible thing that could happen. And it's now like, okay, seriously, McKinney, like, can that, is that really going to happen? Like all of the things that you've stressed about, your entire life. Has any of them ever actually happened? Like, (laughs) you know, so being able to say
1: no to that. That tone just works so wonderfully for me. Like that, like really, (laughs) you know, it's like the, are you really, that's, that's what we think is going to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, that's what we're doing now. McKinney. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay. um, Last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of?
1: I wish women would give themselves a chance at giving themselves a chance. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I feel like we often focus on like, just go for it. Just do it. Just do that thing. But I personally feel like there's another little hurdle before that, which is I need to give myself space and allow myself the opportunity to give myself the opportunity to take that chance. Like just allowing yourself to think like, you can do this. You can Mm -hmm. think about doing this, um, which I think holds a lot of people back.
0: I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Wow. Thank you, Jess, so much for sharing all of your gems with us, for being so open and transparent. I truly, truly appreciate you. Thank you so much.
1: Likewise. Thank you so much for having me on here. This is a lot of fun. (laughs)
0: awesome thank you thank you and to all of you legacy leavers out there until next time make sure that you subscribe rate the show and leave us a review on apple podcasts and i just want to thank every single one of you that has been listening because thanks to you the show currently ranks in the top 1.5 percent most popular shows out of all podcasts globally so i just want to thank you for tuning in and listening and if you can think of i'm going to challenge you to three people that would receive value from hearing Jess's story today. Please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode. You can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Jess at Jess Couture. You can tag myself at the Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.